0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And folks, the winter is over. The Cubs pitchers and catchers and most of their position players have arrived in Mesa, Arizona. They're doing drills. They're wearing their Cubs uniforms. Brendan, for all intents and purposes, the games may not count yet, but baseball is back. It's back.
1: And there are so many shocking, like, observations from just looking at the players, right? Like, David Bodie is a tank. It looks as if he ate half of Kyle Schwarber last year and, and like there was a side by side picture of Schwarber and Bodie and I think Bodie looks bigger than Schwarber which is wild to think about.
0: We will touch on that kind of like what what was your first impression what stands out to you you know because I think for a lot of these guys especially those who are not as active on social media not the Pedro Stropes of the world, who we are privy to basically every one of his workouts in uh, the off season in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> yeah. But for some of these guys, this is you know the first time we're seeing them in a, in a while. To uh, you know, it it feels like almost you know like a awards show season or something like a red carpet. You know, we're checking out the guys' hairstyles and who has a beard, who has more muscle, who's in better shape. It's it's a very uh, interesting week or so where where you're kind of like reintroduced to everybody but we'll talk about that and we will uh get everybody ready for spring training because uh, i believe probably before the next time we talk to you guys the the free agent market remains the same that's probably the longest i've gone without mentioning it uh, this whole offseason. About time. We need it. Right. Remains the same. So the, the caveat is still there. Uh, we will jump on midweek if something happens. Uh, <laughs> that that possibility, unfortunately, has been there for, what, like three or four months now, Brendan? Um, Basically. Yes, yeah, so yeah. that's still there. But next Saturday, or this Saturday, if you guys are listening to this on Monday morning, the Cubs and Brewers play a spring training game. And then we're off, folks. So, Really, again, for all intents and purposes, this is your last weekend and last week uh, without some kind of baseball, some kind of exhibition baseball. So we will uh, lay out our storylines to watch, you know, what are the important position battles and things to kind of shake out for the Chicago Cubs team in spring training. But Brendan, I I do want to start going back to what you brought up, and that was uh, David Bode. And, and I want to, and maybe that's your answer, uh, but I, I do want to pretend that we are uh, on the first night of The Bachelor, and I want you to give out your first impression, Rose, for just, we're, we're seeing these guys come in, we're getting BP footage and fielding footage. I, I'm assuming since you already mentioned him, uh, before I could, you know, so eloquently introduce <laughs> the topic, but who, who's who's catching your eye so far? And again, not everybody is in camp yet. I don't. I don't. You know, we don't have the exact number of like who is or isn't there yet. But it's close. But but who stood out for you, Brendan?
1: Wait. So I only get
0: one rose. This is like the final rose ceremony. No, it's the opposite. And and the first night, he, he the 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 gentleman or woman uh, on the show gives out. So I get
1: I get, mul- I get multiple roses. M- no, That's it's, it's who
0: made the best first impression. Someone is safe like right
1: away because they made such a good first impression. I'm gonna change it up okay. for you. I, I was gonna say David Bodie, and if we're gonna pick one pitcher and one hitter for the for the hitting for the hitting, I'll take Bodie. But I was reading uh, Sadev's piece about Jose Quintana today, Corey. And boy, oh boy, did I get excited reading that piece because Q says he's been working with pitching coach Tommy Hadovy on incorporating a changeup. And, you know, for our longtime listeners, probably for at least, what, a year and a half, two years, I've been more or less concerned about Quintana's aging because he only throws a curveball and a fastball. This is music to my ears, Corey, that he's incorporating a changeup and that he's been working on one for several months. So I think that's the biggest impression for me, even more so than David Bodie gaining 200 pounds. Yeah, I I
0: will uh, I will buy that. I, I admittedly and may, and maybe some of our listeners were the same. But when when you were starting to say something positive about Jose Quintana, I was like, uh,
1: <laughs> well, you know, I like I'm... I like Q. It's, it's it's not as if I'm negative about Q. It's just I want him to succeed, and this is always in the back of my mind that these two pitch guys have trouble aging. I mean, we're seeing it with someone like Chris Archer, even with his fastball slider. Right. So. Yeah, that, that's that's my uh, that's my first rose or or whatever you want to call it for the for spring journey. Yes, uh, first impression rose is the official first licensed rose. term.
0: But okay. I, yeah, I mean you already mentioned it, but just you know for for us to touch on it a little bit further, it's it's got to be David Bodie. He he kind of you know has that Kyle Sch- you know last year was the Kyle Schwarber transformation where he lost uh, a significant amount of weight. You know, looked like a, a pretty significantly different person and i would say this off season you know unless somebody shows up late and and throws this for a loop it's it's got to be david bodie he just looks uh thick brendan and in a, in a in a very good way uh he looks like he's put on a lot of muscle and you know, he, he's someone who I think you and I have talked about, are excited to see what role he will play. I think that that kind of ties in with the discussion of, you know, what we're watching for in spring training. I think Bodie uh, amongst those people, and it's, it's always exciting, I think, in these early days of spring training to see guys who you're not really sure what their role is going to be. You're not really sure how they're going to adjust to the way things fell out last year, and You know he's clearly shown up ready to make an impact and you know putting on extra muscle mass is not going to immediately solve you know the adjustments he needs to make at the plate catching up to uh, a lot of guys pitching him elevated with heat in you know in in the strike zone which was what he struggled with towards the latter half of last year but it's always just exciting Mm -hmm. to see these guys kind of you know they're they're here they're ready to make their mark and they're ready to to make a bigger impact so yeah I think that uh for me it it was definitely David Bodie he was the I think really the only one sure when these pictures came across you're like okay that's different like right away what's going on here like you know I mean his calves are gigantic in some of these pictures dude
1: it's like he's rivaling uh rivaling uh Mark Pryor from you know mid 2000s and, and those calves it's like it, he doesn't even look like the same human being from yeah. last year it's, it's insane this is, and this of, like, is the, most... the calves related podcast <laughs> the calves related podcast i can go with that but what was also surprised me is kind of the initial testing out if you will of david Bodie at shortstop mm-hmm. the reason i'm kind of surprised that he's doing that is because like they just signed daniel descalzo right like I, in my mind, assumed with as and Russell's uh, domestic violence suspension that, you know, Descalso would slot in at shortstop when Javi Baez needed a rest. And at least for the time being, it may not appear that way. I mean, maybe they're just testing the waters and nothing's finalized yet. But Joe Madden said, hey, David Bodie will be getting time at shortstop and might see time at shortstop when Russell misses, you know, the first month with his suspension. So that's going to be interesting because, you know, you and I have gushed about David Bodie's defense, you know, many times here, right? Like, he just looks phenomenal at third base. He's a natural second baseman. Uh, He came up through the system at second base. And we saw him at shortstop a a few times last year, but I I don't know, man. I think what David Bodie did the most to impress me last year was his defense. And I'm a sucker for quality defensive infielders, and David Bodie is, like, in my eyes, One of the prettiest Cubs infielders uh, that that we've seen in in some time, so I'm excited to see not just his hitting and how he adapts, but I want to see him play some shortstop, man. That's very interesting to me.
0: Yeah, and we'll be interesting to see how the aforementioned added thickness that he brings this season uh, affects that. You know, because you know, usually uh, putting on that extra muscle mass, not necessarily the the direct route to, you know, being a, a better fielder or, or for him <laughs> moving over to a more athletic and, you know, agile position in shortstop rather than, you know, third base or second base. So again, will be very interesting to uh, see how that plays out. I think the the only other th- thing of note um, that, that's, you know, maybe new that we've seen, because again, you know, we, we're, we're still seeing you Darvish every day at camp, again, looks healthy on his program, love
1: what he saying. Feedback looks You'd good. Garbage.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you yeah. know, just to, to touch on that, he alluded to, I think earlier this week, you know, and, and admitted that, uh, you know, he he signed a very large contract last offseason and he was very disappointed in himself to not be able to live up to those expectations and, you know, the extra pressure that you put on yourself uh, when you sign a big deal like that. So, you know, he talked uh, a, a little bit, I, I believe even giving the interview in English, Brendan, which is, is always... Uh, impressive for these it's guys impressive. yeah they they yeah. put themselves on the line when they do that because it's not their native language and you know as we all know every word is going to be parsed out uh, no matter what so it, it's always cool to see the, the the guys take the chance and you know try to try to practice that out but it, it it's good to hear him sort of just admit like you know it, it's it stinks to not be able to live up to those expectations and that he's looking forward to this year where you know the, those expectations uh aren't as high unfortunately they're not as high for a lot of people because they uh you know they, they've got they've taken issue with you, Darvish and and we we I think we talked about that last week I, I I'm not really sure again I I was as disappointed in the output as anybody but uh, if you're not rooting for you, Darvish I'm confused as to where you fall uh on the spectrum of Cub fans because he is a Chicago Cub so uh i would take that to, you know, mean you should be rooting for him, but uh, to each their own, I suppose. But just good to hear Darvish talk candidly uh, about his injury, about his experience, and that he's he's healthy, he feels good, and he's looking
1: forward to changing the script in, in, in this. Yeah, and he actually described how he feels by saying he finally feels part of the family, right? And it kind of took my attention because you know you look at around at this current free agent market and we're not gonna get into it but I'm just using that as an example of the issues right now. And Darvish last year basically signed his contract the very next day he's reporting his spring training. And mentally, at least like for me, like you need that preparation to go into a completely different new environment. And one of which is, is extremely stressful because now you're the top dog with the top contract and you get zero time mentally to prepare for that. So it's a completely different aura, I feel like, for you, Darvish, this year. And I'm, I'm excited about that, too. I think the two pitchers whom I'm most excited to watch in the first few weeks will be Quintana and will be Darvish. And if those two guys can you know be the two guys we've seen in years past... You supplement the rotation with those two guys and and Hendricks and Lester and Hamels that's an incredible rotation and I I, I know we've talked about this in the past too but like if every if everything goes as planned and there's no injuries I know the rotation's older and I know it naturally things happen but if they can just look like their former selves right not even their top best selves but just the, their average the Cubs rotation will be a top five rotation in baseball. It's just how it works. If they pitch 180 innings each, or at least around that mark, they provide comparable value to years past. You are looking at a top five rotation, Corey.
0: Yeah, and I, 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 will, I do want to point out that we're, we're seeing, and I, and I think we're going to talk about this later, but I, I do want to, at some point, Brendan, remind me to touch on the... John Lester, Cole Hamels, <laughs> bromance thing we've got going on. Because I'm getting some vibes there. And I, and I, I want to pay attention to that throughout spring training. Let's talk about it now.
1: I mean, I feel like John Lester has been more vocal this spring training anyways. But, you know, so too has Cole Hamills. I think there is a buddy in bromance there. A leadership bromance, if you will.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I I think I just wanted to finish up on the one last thing that was maybe a first impression, and that was uh, Carl Edwards Jr. trying out the Kenley uh, Jansen Clayton thing. Kershaw yes. Kenley Jansen whatever whatever you want to call it that kind of uh, hitch in the giddy up the little pause uh, when that front foot comes down before pushing towards the plate uh, off of that back leg, uh, you know standing upright basically i'm trying to visualize this i'm I'm probably not a very good person to explain this visually but uh he's added that and you know there were some good videos i I think that makes sense right
1: brendan yeah i mean like if you guys have seen clay kershaw kenley jansen pitch like he he you know they're in their wind up um and yeah, this actually is kind of difficult to explain. When they bring their, their, their front leg down yeah, but before they- driving toward
0: the plate, they pause a little bit in an, in an upright position and then push in yes. to the, the delivery. Yes. It's just a little bit of a pause that, that kind of disrupts the natural flow of his delivery. Yes. And, you know, this is one of those things where they're not going to tell us okay, here's all the data we're looking at. Here's the physical changes, the, you know, the biomechanical changes, whatever. They're, they're not going to explain all of that to the media. So this is likely not the only thing that Carl Edwards is doing, Um but this is you know the the visible change and the one that you know everyone obviously is going to notice and you know sort of latch onto uh but he you know they they talked about it that it it's they're they're trying to get him to stay over the plate more obviously i think anybody that's watched him pitch over the last few years uh knows that that is carl's issue and there's not you know obviously adding this change in his delivery does not make him Kenley Jansen or Clayton Kershaw. It would be really sweet if it was that easy. Um, unfortunately, it's not, especially because the the two pitchers we're talking about on the Dodgers um, could probably fit, what, Brendan, two to three Carl Edwards each? <laughs> inside of both of them i think like an average pitcher is that's the case <laughs> kenley jensen's a big dude yeah. um and carl edwards jr is not uh so you know it, you're you're comparing different different pitchers different stuff so obviously that that's on the table but this stood out obviously because it was different but i i think because as we talked about carl edwards jr is a hugely important piece to this bullpen and whether or not this is the solution to keeping him in the strike zones, more limiting those control issues, limiting the walks, etc., we'll see. We, we it remains to be seen. But it's good to see, and it's exciting to see that they are. You know, we have a new pitching coach, and they are trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, that, that's it, and we'll see how it develops. But I'm just glad, and I'm looking forward to seeing the progress in that this is something that they are actively trying to address and trying to make better. Because for as much as we talked about the bullpen, Brendan, if Carl Edwards Jr. is the person that we have seen him over you know, long periods of time, it's it's not as though he's super inconsistent to the point that it's you know only a couple of really good outings in a row he's not justin wilson you know that's what i
1: think of as as the
0: model of inconsistency yes he has has put together big time results over big samples it's just that it doesn't stick forever right and sometimes when the wheels fall off they stay off for a, a period of time as well but he when he's going Brendan we have seen him in the near the top of the league in whiff rate k per nine things like that he generates a ton of spin rate and and you know he just is he's high on a lot of these metrics and 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 peripherals that you might look at for relief pitchers and if he is that guy for a consistent period of time most of the season save for you know Like every reliever, the 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 few bad outings or just the the few nights off, right? Right. That is, I mean, you're talking about a drastic change in this bullpen, and 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 one that would really, I think, especially considering this is one of I think the areas of concern for people going into the season. I mean, you're talking about a, a a season outlook changing situation. If Carl Edwards Jr. is a reliable top tier back of the bullpen arm it's a game changer for Huge. this team it, so I was excited to see them addressing it this is like you know the first day or two we're getting video out of mesa they're hitting the ground running on this and it's exciting to say the least we'll see what happens but again Carla I, I I I you know it's one of those things where like I feel like last year it's it's not the same thing but it's just because it's a different position group that that it, it's it reminds me of that where' You know, we, we kind of had to keep reminding people of how important Chris Bryant was and like the fact that the Cubs were missing a huge piece from their offense. Carl Edwards Jr. is not Chris Bryant. I, that's not the the comparison I'm trying to make. But in, in this position group, relative to where he fits in this bullpen, the difference between a Carl Edwards Jr. that cannot throw strikes and is barely usable, right? Mm-hmm. Versus lights out, you know, whiff after whiff after whiff, Carl Edwards Jr. That it's it's a it is a turn the bullpen on its head type of change. So so it's it's something that I will be watching with with great intent uh, over the course of this spring training.
1: I, yeah, I think it's extremely exciting too. And unfortunately, in my mind right now, Corey, and I, I hope it changes for the reasons you just said, but. At the current moment, like it's hard for me to have high confidence in Carl and I. Oh yeah, and I, I love his stuff. But in, and there were times in the past two years where you had that high confidence, and I just hope you know whatever it is, whatever I don't know if this is a natural thing or a mechanical thing, and, and that's what they're trying to address here. But I mean, like you said, look, th- this is a guy who had a fastball whiff rate in the same tier as someone like a Rollis Chapman, Andrew right. Miller kenley jansen and i say that not exaggerating quite literally a top five fastball whiff rate so i mean like if that if he can turn that around into a model of consistent command then that that's going to change a lot of things i will caution though not cautioning you but probably you know just projecting here but you darvish had a similar change last year and he did that hesitation thing i don't know do you remember that Corey, for the first yeah, two months sure. yeah and so it's not, I mean, like, I'm not a pitching coach, it's not, I'm not, you know, drawing comparisons here, but, you know, just because he's you changed your delivery or whatever, that doesn't always translate to success. And for you, Darvish, yeah. yeah, like for you, Darvish last year, he completely abandoned that little hesitation thing, I think two starts before he injured his uh, his elbow. So, you know, just caution. You're going to see a lot of changes you're going to see from from pitching changes to hitting changes and they're not always going to stick and even like someone like Wilson Contreras who consistently makes uh hitting mechanical changes they don't always stick but at least it shows that these guys and these coaches are trying to find the right recipe and that's something I think should be encouraging to all of us fans. As far
0: as I can tell, Brendan, I, I think everything else seems pretty normal at, at Cubs camp. Uh, I don't know that we've seen anything else that necessarily jumps out at you as oh, you know, this is a this is a major change or anything like that. Well, I know. I,
1: I do have one other major change. Okay, so it's the uh, the young pitching group. There was a video. I forgot who posted it. It was one of the uh, the beat writers, but they were showing. You know, kind of like the first group of Cubs pitchers in their bullpens, and Justin Steele and Duncan Robinson, two names you guys may not be familiar with, but you will be familiar with them as the season progresses. They were throwing with the big uh, the big dogs, and just a you know, brief background, Duncan Robinson is actually, guess what, from Dartmouth, and that's where Kyle Hendricks went. Uh, Robinson, six foot six, Corey. He's two hundred and twenty pounds, and he had a phenomenal twenty eighteen year in Double A. He's a guy who throws basically with precise command. Had a walk rate basically at one point five last year per nine innings, and he'll start the year in Iowa, and he figures to be kind of like that backup starting guy that the Cubs need it, and then with Justin Steele, same story. He was a, it, a little bit different, actually, not the same story, because he's a little bit more highly regarded. But, you know, hard-throwing lefty has had a series of arm injuries in the past that have stunted his development. But similarly, he'll start the year in AAA. He'll be a backup guy. He's a lefty, so of course the Cubs need a lefty in the bullpen. And those two guys caught my attention. They were throwing with the big dogs. The Cubs need some bullpen help. They need some more depth. And I'm excited to see, finally, there are so many interesting names in Cubs camp especially for young pitchers that it's it's cool to see. We've never seen this before. I've never seen this as a Cubs fan have a series in a group of young pitchers who could make an immediate impact this year. Yeah, and and
0: that that'll be another thing, you know, obviously to keep an eye on there. There's a lot of names that are going to be in that mix and like you said the Cubs are going to need some of these guys to step up. Uh and even in the last few years we've seen guys sort of get you know, maybe randomly thrown into uh, different roles, uh, you know, but Jen Hosang comes to mind, Alec mm-hmm. Mills comes to mind last year, you know, these guys that kind of get plucked and, you know, it's a, your, your 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 number, your name gets called and you got to step up. So it, it's good to see that the Cubs kind of have a big pool of those guys. And yeah, hopefully you kind of uh, have some guys really rise to the top and, and rise to the occasion there. But I wanted to, we, we touch on it a little bit, but Getting back to the the veteran, the, the most veteran <laughs> members of this rotation, uh, in particular, because it, it does seem that they are are stepping into a bigger leadership role. We're hearing a lot of veteran talk from John Lester and Cole Hamels, and. Uh, you know the the bromance that I'm feeling will be sort of mixed into this discussion, I suppose. There's there's a lot here, Brendan. When you put together the clues, right? You know, the, these are guys uh that have you know won championships. They're both left-handed. They're both veterans. Uh, they are numerically next to each other in in the order number thirty-four, John Lester, number thirty-five, Cole Hamels i'm just feeling the i'm feeling it think, in think, sync here
1: i think both of them were former nlcs mvps as well i think cole hamill's with affiliates in 08 i may be wrong but they were both i'll MV- have to take your i'll have to take your word for that That's but it certainly dangerous. sounds plausible right yeah so there
0: just feels like there's a lot there and you know really we we haven't had a a quality competition as far as the bromance is concerned you know maybe ever really um again i I really thought that the dexter fowler jason hayward uh situation was going to rival that just because that first spring training they were together they were in videos every single day together doing interviews and you know laughing and palling around didn't pan out Uh, obviously dexter fowler is over down in boring boring st louis uh, but you know we really haven't gotten a good rival to Brizzo, and maybe we don't need one. I don't know. But uh, John Lester and Cole Hamels attended a Phoenix Coyotes game together the other day. It just it looks like there might be something there, just something to keep an eye on. If you you know you've got uh, money on the line as far as what the next big Cubs bromance is, but on their actual on something that's real, Brendan, and something that that actually <laughs> matters. Um, a lot of, I think, leadership style talk coming from the two of them this off season. Uh, at the end of last season, you know, we heard John Lester talk about, uh, you know, needing to get dragged through the dirt and, you know, get kicked down and get back up. And, you know, maybe this was kind of that smack in the face that they needed. We've heard Cole Hamels say some thim- similar things this offseason that, uh, you know, it's it's good sometimes to, you know, not good, but a learning experience to uh, have that early exit and have that long, you know, longer off season than they've had in the past and kind of have that time to dwell on it. And, You know, we are obviously now a few seasons removed from uh, the Grandpa Rossi kind of, you know, leadership regime, if you will. Um, Dexter Fowler, I think, played a big role in, in the... The 2015 and 2016 teams in terms of being a leader on that team and it it kind of feels like now you know going into 2019 that that role is going to be occupied by these veteran pitchers in the starting rotation in John Lester and Cole Hamels.
1: I love it I love it too I think I mean who better than two former World Series champions and Lester of course in his case multi-time world champion and I I think it's great. I think it's great too that we're hearing John Lester take more of a leadership role, not as if he wasn't a leader in years past. But Joe Madden described it as him being more vocal, more demonstrative, or whatever he you said want something to Something about it.
0: spreading his wings. Spreading which I don't, his wings. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, kind of language with John Lester, but uh, it's
1: all right. I and yeah, whatever you want to call it, but you know, you look around and especially a lot of these young Cubs pitchers, having John Lester as someone who you can go to and learn from is huge. And even Mike Montgomery, who's still trying to find his comfort zone with all of his pitch mix. Like, I'm excited about that. And, you know, don't underestimate the, the, the knowledge of these guys. I I mean, I remember hearing uh, Kyle Hendricks talk with a score about his time learning from Jake Arrieta. And, that's kind of surprising to me because there's such different pitchers. But Hendrick said when he first came up, uh, what was it in 2014, and Arietta was finally, you know, breaking through. He went to Arietta and he was talking to him, and Arietta would sh- would share information about grips and just kind of overall pitching philosophy, and you know, Jake Arrieta, you know, saying you know you got to do what you got to do and, and and go your own path. I think that's very valuable. And for Kyle Hendricks, you know, that type of information you don't know, but it could have helped him be the Kyle Hendricks we know today. So, with that said, like, I I like it. I think in in October of last year, when we heard that there may have been a lack of leadership, um, I mean, quite blatantly, Theo said that, to see already within five days in spring training, all these positive quotes, uh, you know, John Lester vocally even admitting he needs to be more of a leader and he said, you know, message heard, like he's been listening to the same stuff we've been listening to. I like it. I, again, maybe it's just me projecting as a fan, but I already sense that there's a higher urgent uh, feel to this team so far, Corey.
0: Yeah. So Cole Hamill specifically saying, uh, you know, in reporting to camp here, a good thing with the way the season ended, it really was a gut punch to a lot of guys in realizing how difficult this game could be and not taking things for granted. Yeah. And and one angle on, you know, that kind of language that that really sticks out to me is that a lot of the guys in this group, particularly for the Cubs, have done nothing but make the playoffs, right? And yeah. there is, you know, a possibility to... Not not get comfortable with that, but I think what Cole Hamels is getting at here is that you have to be able to find the the silver lining right Last season was not a good ending it 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 pissed all of us <laughs> off, it certainly pissed the players off, and what you need to do you know is that sometimes it can be a good thing to realize like hey you know, we can't just look at ourselves as, oh, this new version of the Chicago Cubs. We always make the playoffs. This is our division. You know, sometimes you, you know, as John Lester said, you get kicked in the dirt a little bit, and it kind of wakes you up to say, like, you know, we can't take this for granted. Like, these other teams in the division are getting better, and they're certainly not intent on just letting the Cubs do their thing for however they feel like, you know, being in this window. So I—and— you know, really listening to Cole Hamill's talk, I, I really enjoy listening to him speak. He's, yeah, he's a very good, good speaker.
1: He's a great speaker. Um, yeah. He
0: exudes a, a extreme sense of confidence that you don't always see uh in these players. And you know, you just get the vibe. Again, you know, we're not in the clubhouse, but again, hearing these quotes and hearing, you know, I think like you were mentioning, you know, we've been hearing since last season that John Lester and Cole Hamels were really enjoying you know, chatting together and kind of uh, sharing secrets and learning from one another, talking about grips and sequencing and all that other stuff. But you just really get the sense that the, you know, as it seems like that these guys are are trying to kind of take hold of this locker room and that they both, and John Lester, being John Lester, literally said this earlier this week, um, you know, that he wouldn't be here if he didn't think this team could win a World Series. And that doesn't mean you know, he's above playing on bad teams. But what it means is this is a grind. Baseball's a grind. And especially for guys like Lester and Hamels, you know, they, they're at the point in their career where they, you know, they have to dig a little deeper. They have to be a little more thoughtful, uh, look into what they're doing more, and really try to maximize what they have left in the tank. And it it's just to say this this is a grind. Nothing is, is taken for granted here. And, you know, we all wouldn't be putting in this work and buying into it this much if we didn't legitimately think that this team was going to be productive and had a chance to win a championship. And I think that that's, you know, what other attitude would you want them to have? You know, like this team needs to have that attitude that you can't just take for granted that you make the playoffs every year and that, you know, the fan base might be satisfied. You know, they made, they make the NLCS all the time, right? Like, (laughs) but that's not the attitude to have. This is a new season. This is a new team. And at this point, you know, we, we are only going to get further removed until they
1: win another one from the 2016 World Series, which the Chicago Cubs won. Yeah. And I'm going to forget about this too, so I want to say it now, but I, I love what I've been hearing from Tommy Hotovy, you know, the new Cubs pitching coach, Th- this guy is going to be something else, I think. And I know he's a pitching coach. I know, personally, I've been excited about coaches too much in this podcast, even. But this this one's more unique, I think, you know, he's 37 years old. And we're seeing such a drastic shift in philosophy from a coaching perspective, and implementing new technology, and incorporating that into, you know, just scouting in general. But Hearing Hadavi and his work ethic, guys, is extremely encouraging. You know, he was talking about how he was driving and taking Ubers to Brian Kinsler's Las Vegas home during the offseason. Like that's in you know, I don't like Brian Kinsler's uh, Brandon or sorry, you know, he his name doesn't deserve proper uh, it's, recognition. It's pretty close to your own name. Well, maybe I just don't like my own name. I don't know. Anyway, you know what i you know what I'm saying here. Uh, anyway. There, do you think there's like any
0: any listener out there going like, how dare you disrespect? <laughs> there might <laughs> be a Kinsler you know, like that.
1: You know, if they have a, a Kinsler jersey, they may be uh, disrespected right now. Yeah. But, like, point being, he's going to these guys' homes directly, you know, uncalled for and trying to help them out. And even in particular with Tyler Chatwood, you know, we forget Tyler Chatwood still exists, and his thirteen million dollars annual average value contract still exists. And there's gotta be some way to to incorporate his his money into this roster. It's just gonna have to be worked out somehow. And hearing how Hadovies worked with Chatwood in the offseason, I'm even hearing Chatwood sending videos to Joe Madden directly in the offseason. And of course, like he's talking, you know, to the Athletic and Sadev dev about making these changes. I don't I don't know. You know, it sounds all good from the onset of the of spring training. You always get encouraged naturally, but it just, there, there's this different feel to it. I don't know. I feel as if these guys are just doing more than what you've been told in, in seasons past. I, I don't know. And I think Hattavi in particular, he's young and he has all these tools and he has all this ability to communicate with his, with his pitchers because they're like the same group, they're like the same demographic, I guess, if you will. Whereas Jim Hickey, you know, an older guy and even... um you know, really any Cubs pitching coach in history, they've all been older dudes. So I'm excited about that. And I think that's one thing in particular amongst all the different player changes, amongst, you know, CJ doing his Kenley Jansen thing, and Bodie gaining weight, and Kitana doing his thing. I'm, I'm excited to see how Hattavi works with the entire pitching staff as in, in general. Yeah,
0: and again, you know, we haven't seen any results yet. So, you know, you kind of have to wait and see. But and and, I, and I, I'm I,
1: trying, and hopefully that comes across. Like, I'm not saying, oh, yes, you know, it does. Hattavi's going to be the I, I was thing, just going
0: to say that I, I think that it's it's the right timing and and the right mix for this group the, and and this isn't even necessarily a knock at at Jim Hickey, though you know, that really did not produce great results. Uh, so I guess it kind of is. But this group feels like a group that needs that youthful perspective, that needs to embrace where the game of baseball is going, where the technology is going, where the data is going, and, you know, not necessarily go overboard with it. And again, it's not to suggest that Jim Hickey wasn't doing any of these things. But I, I think with a younger guy, someone who has not been a part of, uh, you know, a ton of major league pitching staffs and gone through this and, you know, has kind of those practices that they they believe in and that they they stick to... You know, I think this is this is good for this team. You you want to be open to trying new things and finding answers for some of these guys, and maybe not just sticking in those deep rooted traditions that worked for a team you coached ten years ago, right? Yeah. And again, I I don't know that that's exactly what Jim Hickey or you know guys before him were doing, but I think that this group in particular, it 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 just lines up well for new perspective you know, new techniques, and and someone, and I think that a, a younger pitching coach is, is going to fit this bill, someone who's more likely to take some risks, you know, say, yeah. like, we're going to try something new with this guy. We have seen Carl Edwards Jr. struggle to be consistent with his command for multiple seasons now. Let's try something else. Let's think outside the box here and and, and try to solve this problem. And, you know, you speak on Chatwood specifically, but you know, he is, if baseball players were clay to be molded, <laughs> Tyler Chatwood is really interesting clay. Like, he, there's a lot there, and it looks right now to be very difficult to figure out how that is going to be molded into a useful, trustworthy Major League pitcher after what we saw last season. But there's a reason they signed the guy. You know, he's got... a a big mix of pitches generates a lot of spin can change speeds has good velocity like there is a lot in there that if they can just harness some of it or figure out how to get the most out of some of it this could be a useful pitcher for this team so so i agree with you and i and i think that it it does it feels like this 2019 season in so much as it can with a group that is uh largely Successful. similar from year to year as we've seen. This does feel like a little bit of a different year as we go into it. It just feels like, I don't know, things are a little more open, maybe a little fresher somehow. And I and maybe that's just our perception, paying attention to this, you know, relentlessly 24 hours a day. And maybe it's not all that different in reality. But it there there does seem to be a a different air about about this season and you know brendan maybe it's good that they and we all embrace you know and because i certainly had this attitude and i loved having this attitude that we were the big bad cubs and this was our division just get out of the way right and you know maybe it's good to be smacked in the maybe it's good in a way, right? <laughs> not, it's not. It's not literally good, but but later we can look back at it as good. To be knocked out of the playoffs by Tony freaking Walters yeah. and have to say, you know, like let's go, everybody. Yeah. Like we need to be doing things yeah. different here. Like this is, you know,
1: like let's change things up a little bit. Right? You know, yeah. It's look. It's good to fail. Like you know, uh, it's not good to fail, but it's good to fail. You know what I mean by that? And you learn if you're if you're not messing up if you're not breaking things if you're not failing then you're not like you know some people say oh you're not growing but it's kind of true like you need to have those instances to be smacked in the face and figure out what you need to do and for the cubs you look around like kb and rizzo and a lot of these guys like they they're not used to failing like that and guys like i mean they, they failed on, on a massive stage last year they they didn't blow the division, but you know they they shocked the hell out of all of us and and that's what happened. So hopefully that is a learning experience and you know you look around and there's so many interesting things to watch this spring training and I knew this would happen to me. I knew this would happen to me, but I'm way more excited now than I was about 1 week ago. And I go on Twitter and I see some of these tweets and how they're not excited about this year because, you know, Bryce Harper's not on the team. And I understand that, but you know, you and I were just reminiscing about Michael Wirtz and Michael Barrett, and Hi. you know these guys from the mid two thousands. This team, you got it. You really do got to savor it. And you know, by the way, this spring you can go to Mesa to watch all those guys. You can follow your favorite baseball teams in addition to the Cubs to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Arizona has amazing, amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is a perfect home for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All stadiums are within 50 miles of one another. And there's so much to see and do nearby. You can go enjoy live music from local and national artists, explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from around the world. You can go explore the additional Arizona outfield by hiking, biking, jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, if you're into that, Uh, I'm not, kind of scared of heights. And you can even go jet skiing. They have lakes around the area. There's Bartlett Lake over there. I used to live nearby Bartlett Lake. I used to go jump off those cliffs like an idiot. Uh, I don't know how I'm still alive today with that. And Arizona is very family friendly. You know, bring your kids along to spring training. It's a fantastic destination for families. And again, you know, it's been cold in Chicago. It was like, what, negative 55 with those wind you know, whatever you want to call it, terrible, right? Arizona's going to be 70 to 75, perfect weather around the country that time of year. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training, Air- visitarizona.com slash spring training. I mean, Corey, do you kind of follow my same sentiment that you're more excited now than you know a week ago? Or are you kind of like status quo? You knew this would happen.
0: Well, I mean, if anyone has been listening to us for longer than a year, you know that we might freak out for half the off season and sound like the most miserable two people <laughs> on planet Earth. But, you know, a, a, you can bet, you can take to the bank that you and I both are going to be way overconfident for who knows what reason. Uh, come time to, you know, slap a prediction down on the season or get wins, excited for yeah I mean look like that first day that pitchers and catchers were there they were putting out pictures of Lester throwing in the pen I'm like all right it's time giddy up <laughs> let's go I'm in 105 wins you know book it right so yeah, yeah. we kind of we're a little predictable in, in in that way but you know I can't I think that on this podcast we try to be thoughtful and analytical as much as we can but you know, you you can't take the Cub fan out of us, right? At at some point, it just reverts back to like, you know, let's go Cubs. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all in. I I do want to ask you two things, and then we'll maybe you know look at this spring training specifically and lay out. All right, these are our most important storylines. Sure. Um, you know, because I I think that was a a lot of first impressions, really, because a lot of this stuff is basically just from this last uh several days which is good the we, we needed this first
1: reporting yeah yeah we needed this
0: so the first question i have for you just just uh, a rapid fire here a couple couple Ooh, things okay. uh what are your feelings i i believe and i don't know if this is like the official slogan for the year or whatever but uh-huh. i think they're going with own it now what are you uh-huh. what are you thinking about that so that's that's joe madden's uh slogan um right i think they're so sti- now and and yeah. and so does that that means it's it's not necessarily like the official hashtag? No, no, no. Right? Th- like they're sticking. Everybody in. Yeah. No.
1: They, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. Actually, they're, they're sticking with everybody in. That's going to be the same thing this okay, year.
0: Okay, I think I did see that. Yeah. I guess I got thrown off when yeah, the yeah, Own yeah. It Now entered the mix. Okay. Yeah.
1: So everybody in sticks uh, for one more year. Own It Now is Joe Madden's like try not to suck like thing, right? Like he, last right, okay. year was uh, you know putting the art back in the game. I, I I like own it now. I I'm a sucker for Joe Madden. I mean, he can come out there with the, you know, the corniest slogan, and I'll buy into it. But I like it. And here's why I like it is because it kind of and maybe I'm going to get too philosophical here, but whatever. But it does kind of bring you into like the present moment. Like, you know, you focus on that game, on that at-bat, on that bit, on that pitch. Own it now, right? Like I like that. And I don't really care that, you know, now spelled backwards is one. Um I don't know, <laughs> you know, Madden said he did that intentionally, but whatever but i do like it and i think to some degree maybe this is just my overinterpretation but it's like almost a marker for accountability like look the cubs got eliminated in the wild card game last year own it that's what happened time to move on it is what it is time to work harder and get back to being the best team in baseball so that's that's what i like about it and i don't know how significant slogans are probably not too much you know you can sell t-shirts we're selling T-shirts with It now on it, but I like it, Corey. I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's appropriate, so I have no issue with it.
0: Yeah, I think it's fine. It's it's whatever. You don't I, like it? Right? I, I already know. Uh, I can tell in
1: the, in the infliction of your voice you don't like it.
0: No, the I, I you know it's just that at this point there's so many. The only slogan that they've had either the Cubs specifically or Joe Madden that I like immediately didn't like was that's cub and i knew that that had meaning throughout the system i didn't mind it though i I just don't like the way i don't like the way that sounds it's really easy for that one and it was originally used as a negative but it's even though they sort of flipped that script it is just too easy to be used as a negative when something and i I don't know i just don't like the way it sounds you you know me i don't like the i don't like the phrase cubbies either so Uh, it's like sometimes i just have weird I just have
1: preferences for for the language. Have I you guess. ever? But yeah, hold on, hold on. Have you ever during the stretch ever actually gone root, root, root for the Cubbies? Have you actually uttered those words out of your mouth?
0: I think you know well enough <laughs> that ninety nine percent of the time they're doing the stretch. I'm not singing. I'm like thinking about who's coming out of the bullpen or freaking out about something. I'm not much of a singer.
1: No, I'm not much of a singer either. But I'm I sure, sway I'm sure, I'm sure the, you're the seventh uh, inning stretch, a sure light you're... sway. I'm sure your 12 year old self has uttered the words "cubbies" uh, during the stretch at some point. I Just want to point that out, you know. Your younger self may like. Well, yeah, and I mean,
0: like, unfortunately, it's just the way the song goes. I mean, "cubs" doesn't you can make, really. You can make it work, you know. You make, it doesn't I really mean, work. Just, as it'll well.
1: work right now. I think it sounds fine that way.
0: Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't sing anyway, so it's it's fine. But yeah, I think that I think that slogan is fine. It's interesting because as you were talking about what. Own it now might mean, and you know, uh, taking ownership over things. Yeah, uh, th- this, that, and the other. It did. It did kind of make me wonder, like, okay. And I, I think Theo has alluded to this, uh, but but hopefully that means you know maybe not as many of those games where like they win the first two in a series and then they kind of like throw out that quadruple a last year, like like every, every podcast. Yeah. And it's like, well, this doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like we're owning this game. Now we're kind of taking the two
1: or three and getting on the plane. But I think you said last year too, like a few times, uh, you know, Stop me if you've heard this before. The Cubs lost the final game of the series. I think you said that at least yeah, five man. times. Yeah,
0: it's, man. It's their thing. They have, Yeah, I say it all the time. They have a way of leaving that sour taste in your mouth, even when they take two out of three. You're just yeah. like, well, they shouldn't have lost that third one, but I guess I'm going to be happy, right? Mm-hmm. So the other rapid fire note I have for you, because uh, I didn't really want to get into it uh, because I just didn't want to, um, but... The Baseball Prospectus pacoda projection <laughs> system, which we've mentioned before, and and I do want to clarify because a lot of times, like when we post this on Cubs Insider, or you know, you see it posted by the the guys at the Athletic or Jesse Rogers, whoever, right? Anytime anybody talks about this, you know, it turns into a who cares about the computer projections? What do they know? You know, this, that, and the other, and it's. Yeah. The, the the necessary caveat is that these are respected systems. I, I think if you're looking at them as an absolute and the truth, that's not really right. And maybe not even how they're really intended to be used. But the one thing that I, I like to point out... Is that one way or another, right, Brendan? Like the 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 Baseball Prospectus annual gets delivered to front offices. I, I you guys know this, but I've I've been an intern in two front offices, the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers. One thing they both had in common is that in a bookshelf somewhere in the front office were the Baseball Prospectus annuals, mm-hmm. these books. So. If you look at the computer projections for them or fan graphs, wherever, right, these these come out, just know that baseball people do look at these. Like, these are not just some random person putting out these projections and people freaking out over them. These are respected institutions. I I just like to clarify that because sometimes, you know, when the projections are negative, it's such an uproar as to who cares or, you know, what's their formula, this, that, and the other— I'm just saying, like, industry people read this stuff. They, it's not gospel. No one's taking it as gospel. But it's stuff that people are interested in. So so that's why it gets disseminated. If you're wondering, why is everybody talking about this? Who cares about this? Because I did see basically every beat writer talking about this. I think they asked Cole Hamels about it. Uh, and that's what I'm going to ask you. That's why this this long diatribe here. But I'm just saying, like, they are reputable outlets. Like, there's a reason that this stuff permeates the discussion through basically everybody,
1: every team, etc. That's all. I think. Base, um, yeah. C- can I go now? Are yeah, you? of okay. course. Uh, I think Baseball Prospectus made a mistake. Here's why: they kind of jumped the gun here. They they put out these projections, and Harry Pavlidis, or I think it's Pavlidis. You know, he's a great follow on Twitter, by the way. I just butcher the last names, as you guys know. Uh, I tweeted that. I'm like, hey, like, what's like the like, you know, the nerdy 95% confidence interval for these projection records. And he said, this is, and I say, quote, like, this is very important. We have not actually run the simulations yet. So what he said, or rather insinuated, is that you take the current group of Cubs players, you estimate how much time they're going to play this season, and you convert how many runs they create, how many runs they cost a team into one win tally. And so it's not like throwing everything into a simulator, having a simulator run thousands of times, and then getting the output with like, you know, the the associated error or like how many times they won the World Series versus how many times they got eliminated from the division. So it's not it's not like that, and that's an important that's a very important consideration. Um, and uh, I think I just think it's very important to consider that. With that being said, I. I understand why the projections work like that, and it's not—it's not, it's not uh, to bag the Cubs, but the rotation's older and naturally that's how the computer interprets this stuff. They're,
0: well now I just want to jump in there and sure. just point out the the reason that we're talking about this because I think it informs where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. The reason that it, it's getting brought up and brought up by so many people is that currently they project the Cubs to win 80 games and finished in dead last. That's why everybody's talking about this. Yeah, that's it, why I and it's not, clarified it's not, it and that's and yeah, yeah. so just, just so you're understanding I call him I, again every oh, I think a few of them were asked about this like you know this this site that uh, you know a lot of people use like has you guys in dead last under five hundred. But that's what Any I mean. Thoughts on that? That's right? why.
1: That's why. That's why I think baseball prospects has jumped the gun. Like if you're gonna throw this stuff out there, make sure it's done. Like you're throwing out yeah. stuff that's completely just is premature. It's not done yet. So that's what. That's why I was irritated too because like hey, don't suggest this is the final product if it's not even there yet. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to continue what I was saying here. I think. I, I think that's how naturally the computers work. But what I have the biggest beef with is like the defensive ratings, right? And defense for the Cubs is being projected as the worst in, in the league that's not, that's not true. Like, that's just not true. Um, And, you know, and and baseball
0: perspectives in general puts a a big emphasis on pitch framing. I think if you look at uh, some of the player values, if you, you know, adjust by plate appearances and stuff like that, like, it's, it's skewed throughout the league, like, catchers that are good framers are going to be higher on bp lists and you know
1: sometimes to a degree we'd be like that guys this valuable like what yeah and i think you know in, in terms of just defensive metrics in general uh they take three years to stabilize what that means is it takes three years to say confidently that your numbers are because you are good rather than being random and for a lot of the current cubs guys they're younger and they've now just entered their fourth full year and many of whom actually have changed defensively within the last year. I can think of Alberto Mora, even Chris Bryant, in terms of his outfield defense. So, you know, things do change. And with that being said, that's why I think it's absolutely necessary to post the associated error with these projections. Because, for example, let's say you project David Bodie. His overall projection is to bat 280 with 15 homers, Right. But I want to see how many of those simulations project Bodie to bet 300 with 20 homers. How many times did that happen? And on the other hand, how many times do they project Bodie to bet 220 with five homers? I want to see the complete spectrum. And I hope they do that because that type of information gives you a better idea of what the computers are actually trying to crank out here. Because that gives you more information about you know how likely it is that the Cubs could be a hundred win team. And that's more valuable than just getting the the, the average output in my opinion. And we're gonna see we're gonna see right. that in about two weeks, I think, or whenever, you know, they, they finalize not two weeks, maybe a month, when they finalize complete rosters and they actually run those simulations, then we'll have the complete picture.
0: Right. And and really I just wanted to bring it up. Again, it's it's been a big talking point. I think that tells you how slow this off season has been. Uh that, you know, just these projections are such a point of contention for people. But basically, and I don't I don't even know what to offer up here. But, um but if the Cubs win 80 games and finish in last place, I'm jumping you off hold my balcony me to man. whatever you want. I mean, I'm already on the hook for getting a tattoo if John Lester hits two home runs, right? Yeah. Like, there is no way the Cubs win 80 games and finish in last place. I don't care what projection system we're talking about. I don't care if they had 100% confidence, as you were just saying, Brendan. <laughs> get out of here. There is no way and I've talked about this this offseason before I understand the current situation the Cubs are in right they didn't finish well their offense fell off a cliff our president and leader Theo Epstein told us relentlessly that this offense was broken and they didn't do anything to make it better right unless Mm -hmm. you're really counting on Daniel Descalso to be uh, quite an impact player which I'm not but Eighty wins, Brendan. Last place, all of a sudden they're worse than the Pirates and the Reds. I mean, get out of here. Come on with that. They have Javi as a negative rated defender, and I know that he's an unorthodox guy. He kind of reminds you of, you know, Kyle Hendricks to a degree with some of these pitching stats, right? There's just stuff he does that doesn't is, get captured. Yeah, that doesn't get captured, that throws the the metrics off. And I, I understand that, but when you've got Javi as a negative rated defender, you're putting a huge amount of emphasis on catcher framing, which is important, but the way it skews some of these ratings is is too much for me, uh, especially when, you know, Wilson does have a good arm, he does control the run game, he is able to do some good things behind the plate. Uh, but there's just a few things in there where I'm just like, come on. Like we all watch Javi Baez. This isn't like a throw the metrics out the window thing. I like analysis and stats. I think you guys know that, but there's certain things if it's, if it doesn't match what your eyes are seeing to such an extreme degree, you know, 80 wins, Brendan, like, come on now, like, give me a break. 80 wins in last place. Again, I don't even know what to offer up. I don't know what I can even... You know, like uh, Michael from Bleacher Nation already took to jumping in Lake Michigan. I can't do that, right? <laughs> I, I can't really had offer had up it. another tattoo. I don't know what anyone would want, but if the Cubs win 80 games, if they're under 500 and in dead last place in this division— what hold me to whatever you want? We'll delete this podcast. Whoa, 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 I, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa! I, I don't whoa, know, whoa, whoa, right?
1: Whoa, whoa. You can't, can't be, Brandon. It's not, it's not happening. That's absurd. I don't know. What if like someone? I don't know. What if like KB gets injured again? Like God forbid. Knock on wood, please. I mean, gee, can you guys hear
0: this? I'm knocking for everybody. Don't worry about it. I don't know. I'm just saying. I just oh, wanted no, to bring I, it up. I, I know they were talking about it. I, get, but, I
1: mean, come on. No, get I, out of here. I, I get where you're like, okay, I'm reminded of, I forgot, it's like some famous scientist said this, but he basically said all models are imperfect. And it's true. Like, you make massive assumptions about a lot of different things, no matter if you're yeah. modeling like genetics or if you're modeling baseball. And this is like the most, if I had to explain baseball to one person who's never heard of the sport before or, you know, is not familiar with it, I would say baseball is the most random sport in America. For example, this is this is why if you with 100% accuracy could predict how many runs the Cubs score, how many runs the Cubs give up, the plus or minus or just like, you know, the the normal variation in baseball is 6 wins and 6 losses. That means if I knew the Cubs could score this many runs and they're projected at 85 wins, then realistically and if you're 100% confident it's going to happen, You could win 91 games, or you could win 79 games. That's baseball. It's just a completely random sport. So, you you know, you got to interpret these projections under the right context. And that's why I said, like, yeah, I understand what's going on. I think all of us share concerns with the bullpen and with the aging starting rotation. That's not news to us. I just think once those simulations are run, we'll be able to get a clearer picture of why and what we could expect given the cubs actually not being injured and not following those aging trajectories that will give us the information we want
0: yeah and i and i think it was len Casper on twitter who said something to this effect but the the thing that you know i think maybe is a takeaway from these projections if anything it's that it, the division is tight that that i think is 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 the big takeaway yeah. that you know when just looking at the groups of players and talent and expected performances across the division that a lot of these teams are, you know, able to say like, you know, we could, you know, we could reasonably predict this team to be pretty good, mm-hmm. and and that's the scary thing is that you know, like you said, Brendan, the Cubs do have, you know, concerns, and the division has gotten better, and the division, especially in a team like the Reds, has kind of cut out some of that. Uh, you know, you can write them off into the bottom of the division you know in it's April a tough division man it's going to be the type of stuff it's the yeah. best division in, so, in the NL right now <laughs> yeah again i i want to move on to you know like big you know the most important thing in spring training for you but uh again not to like i don't think the cubs are going to win 115 games but again they're not <laughs> winning 80 or under give me a break yeah. come on all right brendan my most important let's thing. have right, you know i think we we've we've kind of laid out Most of what has happened uh, in these first several days of spring training, again, you can mark your calendars. The spring training slate begins on Saturday, the Cubs playing the Milwaukee Brewers, and from there we are just in... That spring training schedule, you know, usually a game per day, sometimes a split squad game, and you can kind of just look forward to that. If you go to Cubs.com, you can find the broadcast schedule. Not every game is uh, usually available on TV, but uh, there is a good chunk of them that you should be able to check into if you're looking into that. Uh, sometimes a bit more of the games are available on the radio. Uh, so if you're looking for those, and as Brendan mentioned, you could also take a trip to Arizona and watch them in person. I haven't been in a few years. Uh, but I am hoping to get back out there Brendan but we'll see about that but give us you know and it can be you know in in a different position if you want it to be however many you feel but what are the most important things the cubs start playing spring training games setting lineups setting you know some semblance of a rotation getting guys in roles and getting them reps where they need reps right mm-hmm. what are the most important things for you in the 2019 version of Chicago Cubs spring training?
1: Okay, I'm going to go with three topics, uh, two of which are pitching, one of which is hitting. I'm going to start with the pitching. The most important, and I think it's way important than the other two, is Yu Darvish's health. I think we'll be able to monitor that maybe by some of the velocity readings that we get, or just how he feels when he talks to the media afterwards. I think Maybe all of us agree with that sentiment. If you Darvish is healthy, it drastically changes the outlook of this rotation. So I think that's the most important for me. And then I'm gonna to go to my hitting one. Uh, one, I mean, just pick me with a uh, pick. Ian Happ or Albert Amora. I need one of those guys to show up. Right. I want that center field spot locked down. I don't care who it is, but I would love for someone just to take role of center field. Um, so that's the second one that's that I'll be following. The third one, kind of out there, but Mike Montgomery actually has been dealing with some shoulder tightness. It's too early for me to stress out about that, but here I am stressing out about that. Uh, so I'll be following Mike Montgomery's shoulder <laughs> tightness. Uh, but, you know, a little bit more optimistically, I think Montgomery has been vocal about wanting to be an integral part of, of the Cubs' rotation. He currently will not be in the rotation, but he's definitely going to be a backup, and he'll be an important part of that bullpen. I want to see him healthy, and I'm excited that Cole Hamels is back this year because I think Montgomery shares a lot of similarities to Cole Hamels. You look at their pitch repertoire, and it's a mirror image of one another. They both throw the same exact five pitches, and you know if you want to get more into the whole image thing, they're the same size, and they throw you know, at similar velocities. Cole Hamels a little bit faster, but you get what I'm saying. So those three topics are what I'm following the most, and I want to put a lot of emphasis on you, Darvish, because if he's healthy, guys, again, if he's healthy, it changes everything, I think, for this entire pitching staff.
0: Yeah, I think those are good ones. I mean, certainly, I echo those. Uh, I I do agree that Darvish is probably the most important. Uh, you know, again, speaking just positionally, kind of like I was referencing with Edwards, like Darvish being good or anywhere near as good as he can be is a game changer for this yeah. team. It just totally changes
1: the. And complexion it's more of fun that way, man. It's just more of like course. I love Darvish. He's such a great human. Like I want to see this guy yeah. succeed. So you know, of course, it's great for the Cubs, but I want to see him succeed.
0: Yeah, I I think that you know we've we've heard good reports on it. We we don't have any reason to suspect otherwise. But I think Chris Bryant's health, uh, you know, getting of course, yeah, you know, watching him hit bombs. I just assume he's healthy.
1: I just assume he's fine. You know, yeah,
0: no, it's it's all that we've heard. We have heard or seen nothing to the contrary. But it's it's not even necessarily just about him being healthy. Like we you know we want Chris to be Chris and to be MVP. You know. Six, seven, eight. War, Chris Ted Bryant. War. Right, exactly. So, you know, I think just just seeing him and and knowing that that shoulder is comfortable will be uh a, a you know a big thing for us in, in this off season. Um, and and I think it's two things that we've talked about. I think that as far as positional battles are concerned, I think it's you know how do those last few slots uh, for the position players shake out. And, you know, we kind of know who's going to be in that group, but where they're going to play and how they are going to manage that playing time remains to be seen. We, I think I mentioned this earlier, but if I didn't, you know, in the last couple of days, we've heard Ian Happ say, I told Joe Maddon, I yeah, will play second it, yeah. base. We've seen him getting reps at second base in some of these early videos out of uh, Mesa and You've been third you know, he said i will play second base if it keeps me in the lineup i just want to be in this lineup and and be getting those consistent plate appearances i love and you have to get and half 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 a switch hitter yeah so you know he he should if he's able to uh produce he
1: should have no problem finding a way in the lineup but corey i, I, I want to pause you right there let me pause you right there of course okay with that thought in mind right and if you're if you're picking between amora and hap as your opening day center field starter who are you picking I know things change, but in your mind, like in your heart, who do you want to start the majority of the games to get the first chance at doing this? It
0: would be Hap, like if, he, here, if it man. meant he weren't going to
1: be in the lineup otherwise. Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: And I yeah. uh, until until we see what everybody else is doing, I just I, I think that Hap's ceiling is is a lot higher. Um, yep. And is
1: that power I, man? He got thirty I, power. I, right. Potential. I mean, I
0: love Al in the outfield, mm-hmm. I, and and I I I enjoy him on this team. I like him, but. I, for now, I I just he, his contact mostly <laughs> approach and and lack of slugging just doesn't do it for me. And you know he's similar yeah. to Happ that you know he has also not necessarily had uh, the proper if you will time to really adjust and and see you know what his ceiling can be. But again, you know we we don't always have time for that when a guy struggles against a particular handedness of pitcher as drastically as Al does you know, when the team is trying to make the playoffs and ends up losing the division by a game, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. have time to be getting everybody this playing time. We've talked about that. Yep. So yep. I, I think, you know, unless we just see something different, I, I'm going to go with Happ because I want to see him uh, use that power, use that slugging and and go from both
1: sides of the plate. Yep. I'm with you. I mean, I, I, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but I'm a big Ian Hap guy, in comparison to Omora, just because of that power potential. And, you know, just to throw in more stats there, if you look at guys who walk, And hit homers, Ian Happ, for dudes under 25 years old, is number one on the list next by Kyle Schwarber. So if you like walks, if you like homers, you like the whole new-age approach, Ian Happ's your guy. And he's 23, 24, going to be 24. I like it, and I I, I love his mindset, too. Uh, Who was it? Uh, Gosh, I'm forgetting who it was, but um someone said he he got very close with Ian Hap during the offseason I think it was Rizzo actually on his Rizzo. they play a lot of golf together yeah that's what it was and I don't I don't know I think when Ian Hap first got called up there was a running joke how he like you know never smiled he had no personality and it's far from the truth and I think he's one of the guys and he's he's one of the more fun follows I think so I'm I'm a big Ian Hap guy I hope he succeeds I really want him to get the first chance at center field not that I don't like Al but for the reasons you outlined I want to see Hap get that chance yeah, and I just think that
0: you know, like you said, he 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 hits bombs. He walks, and if he can iron out the the whiffs and you know hone in on his contact rate, you, you get that stuff ironed out or, or even just improved. Like there, there's a lot of upside there, and, mm-hmm. and that's not a knock on Albert Almora to say that you know Hap just has more upside. I think if he can dial in some of those things, he can be a really productive player yep. Yep. Uh, in this league, but. I, I think that that's that's the that's the most that's the thing that, that I'll fun. be keeping my eye on the most. Yeah. Because as we go into the season, Russell is still suspended. We have no idea what that's gonna look like when he comes back, what his production may be, or what they even plan to do with him if and when he comes back to this Cubs team. Uh but, you know, breaking camp, you know, you're you're likely gonna have Javi at short and and then it's, you know, where do some of these guys slot in? Who's playing second base on a regular basis? Is somebody playing second base on a regular basis? Who is in center field? You know, and we've had these conversations before. Last year was sort of similar, but I think that that's where most of my attention goes because in in, in, in the past, we've seen guys like Ian Happ put together monster spring trainings just you 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 have to play this guy day 1 he was that good in spring training we've seen david bodie put up big spring training numbers and you know he didn't break camp with the team last year but he He is in this mix now, and it's 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 just to say that, you know, sometimes in spring training guys have performances that you just can't ignore and that kind of say, you know, look, you weren't sure who was gonna play second base on a regular basis, or you weren't sure who was gonna play center field. I'm gonna make that clear to you during these spring training games. And so that's always something to look out for. There there's a number of positions on this team, you know, really save for catcher, third base, shortstop first base you know maybe right field to a degree right depending on how much they want to switch up those uh matchups against particular handedness of pitcher uh but those other positions like i don't think anybody has a real lock on them necessarily and if certain guys perform better and, and light the world on fire in in february and march like they could really kind of change whatever the cubs are planning so i think that that is a key area for this team um and i'll give you two more and and i think that's that's probably all that i have because uh, i think the rest we've we've probably mentioned um but you know the bullpen we we haven't talked as much about we talked about a couple specific guys but the cubs oh, they signed Xavier
1: cedeno by the way i forgot, forgot to mention yes that. from the milwaukee yeah. brewers and
0: that's a good signing yeah it's good and they have a mountain of people who can fill in some of these roles they may be unexciting. They may have been cheap, and many of them you may never see in a Chicago Cubs uniform pitching in a regular season game. But they have a ton of options to get in there, see the stuff these guys have, play around with it, like you were talking about with Tommy Hotovy, you know, and and trying different approaches with some of these guys, seeing what worked for them in in different situations, and bringing that over. And they just have a a a big basket of these guys to see if anybody interesting comes out of and so that I think is something to watch for is is you're going in a lot of these games to see uh you know kind of a an, a revolving door of these pitchers who you may have heard of before you may recognize their name and it may be in a 15 to 9 spring training game but that inning might be really valuable them. It might be really valuable for the Chicago Cubs team. So keep an eye on some of those guys. We, we, we've been listing a lot of their names, uh, you know, but Tony Barnett, Janichi Tazawa, like you said, Xavier Cedeno, uh Brad Brock, they, you know, uh, Luke Hagerty, one of the, the, a guy we talked about last week. Yeah. Like there There's, and and there's more. I, it's It's hard to even keep track of all of them, but there's just this good group of pitchers that, and, and you really, I mean, what do you need, Brendan? Like one of them to be interesting at all, <laughs> to to sort You've of change the complexion this of this, yeah, to change the complexion of this bullpen. So, so that's something, uh, that I think is, is, is really worth watching. And I think those, those position battles, specifically the bullpen and those kind of, you know, shaking out those, those last few position uh, battles or, or matchups for the regular season lineup, I think are, are the two most interesting, you know, let, let's see how this shakes out kind of scenarios. And the last one is, I just want to see what Wilson Contreras looks at the plate. And, and I know that, uh, you know, we've talked about him a lot and I am very disappointed. We, I'm going to hold off on this because the free agent market is still, uh still going and and there's still some names out there but an immense mistake by this front office not to get a different backup catcher I don't want to turn this into an you know rail on Victor Caratini thing but Victor Caratini is not in my mind a backup on a championship
1: contending team um
0: yeah. that's just how well, I'm worried I about, about
1: Contreras's health too I mean the guy caught more well and because you would say, you look at
0: last year and you would say, I think we read a stat on here one time that Wilson Contreras caught like a thousand more pitches than any other catcher yeah, in the league. I right. mean, he's, like he's way ahead of everybody else. And, and the problem is, is that, right. And it, it, it affected his bat. We'll see, you know, if he has a different sort of approach and if there was any sort of Chili Davis effect, uh, with his bat as well, but it was an underwhelming performance from him at the plate, uh, especially relative to what we were expecting and the problem with that, Brendan, is that do you want Victor Caratini playing more? Because I don't. Mm, so, no. I, you know, I, I, I got They got to see that, something there. Like, what are we missing? He's put up num- You know, he's put up
1: numbers at the plate
0: in the minors. Yeah, but, but like, unfortunately, but absent
1: of power though, he's like your typical. Right, and like, that
0: has not shown up at the major league level. Yeah. He is not a good defensive catcher. He is slow. This guy And again, this is not rail on Victor Caratini time, but this is also an example of he is going to be the backup catcher on this team. That's just the role he's going to play. If he were able to tap into what he was doing in the minors at the plate, the only way to do that really is to get more significant playing time, and that's not going to happen on a team that has Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras is the starter. Wilson Contreras is going to get the bulk of the playing time. And if they're able to, you know, iron out whatever was going on with him at the plate, they want him playing as much as possible. They're going to manage the fatigue. They're going to manage his workload. But a backup catcher on this team right now is never going to get the plate appearances to truly, you know, hone in on whatever their offensive potential might be. They need to be able to play that you know, come off the bench cold and pinch hit and start every now and again type of thing. And I I just don't think he's good enough. That's, that's just how I feel. But if they don't do anything, the Wilson Contreras thing is 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 just an area to be mindful of, and yep. and we've talked about this before. But you know, this is a guy going into last year. You would have slotted him in, depending on how you're ordering everything, right? But this is a guy who you would have slotted in in the four spot or the five spot in the lineup, and you wouldn't have asked any questions about it, right? Mm-hmm. That's just where
1: he belongs. I mean, and some of us he was said high, he he could have been an MVP candidate last year, given his power and his defense behind the plate. Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 so. I think
0: just seeing how he's feeling in this spring training, seeing how he looks at the plate um you know you obviously you want to see him hitting hitting home runs but you know just driving the ball with authority. I feel like that's what was really missing from him uh last year yeah. is just you know we smacking the ball around the field, which when he's going, you know he he, re, he he has those streaks in him where you know he he almost reminds you of like Soriano to a degree where you're just like you can't pitch to this guy right now like you can't pitch to this guy right now and we just didn't see that as much last year so uh that i think is something to to keep an eye on throughout spring training is you know for as much as we can tell from watching exhibition games does he look like that guy that you know we really genuinely thought could come into a year and be in the discussion for an mvp or does he look like this guy that just looks kind of lost like at the plate like he did uh, last year, beating the ball into the ground a lot and just not looking like he was uh, driving the ball with authority. So I think that's 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 something uh, to watch on. But mm-hmm. I think that's uh, you know kind of where. My eyes will be, I suppose, uh, throughout the spring training. I mean, you know, really everything that happens is worthy of of some scrutiny and and paying attention. I know that uh, you know we can all count on Brendan to have his his radar gun out and and you know be checking in on uh, whether Kyle Hendricks is on a normal progression to throw above ninety miles an hour. Come, come oh, if he throws above ninety
1: time. miles per hour, then I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing something. Uh, to celebrate that. I yeah.
0: yeah. So but other than that, I, you know, it's, uh it's an interesting, it's been an interesting off season. It's unfortunately still going, even though spring training has started. That's just kind of how this is now. Um, But yeah, it's, it, it should be a, a fun month, you know, a little over a month here for the Cubs in spring training, a lot to, to keep our, to keep our eyes on. And, uh, you know, I think we, we know that this team is hungry and, you know, this is the, the the preparation to kind of have a do-over on the way that uh, 2018 ended. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it, it's in the past now, right? We spent four months talking about ways for 2018 not to repeat itself. It's not going to be in the form of new acquisitions. It's going to be in the form of internal improvements. And so far, we're getting the first glimpse of those internal improvements. That's in the coaching staff. That's in Madden's an additional uh, interaction with its players, it's going to be different. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. And for those reasons, I-, I think we should be excited about it. Personally, Corey, I don't know how you feel. I'm done with free agency. I'm done thinking about it bryce harper manny machado you can sign wherever you want to sign in my mind it's over and it's time to turn the well, page well that's that i mean that's not true well I mean, I, I, i'm say not saying in my mind i'm not saying you know in my mind it's very different from reality but what i'm like saying is it's time to focus on what this team currently has on its roster and we're only five days away now from or whatever it is from the first spring training game time to shift the page here and start looking on to the season and i'm excited about that i think we have a lot of reasons to be excited about that Corey. Yes, it's time to own it now, Brendan. See, I told you it was, it was a good slogan. You know, you were skeptical at first, but I like it.
0: Well, we'll see how it plays out. But that—that that is, uh, I think, the, the lay of the land. Uh, if you were going to Arizona for spring training, have a, have a splendid time. Hope you, you know, you get your autographs or see hobby hit a
1: bomb or whatever you uh may be there for can but- i make one suggestion in the spring training if you are going there next week get there at 10 a.m go to the backfields for me that's the most fun um whenever i go to spring training you can like legitimately be five feet away from chris bryant you know and all the big guys out there so if you go there do yourself a service and just show up a few hours beforehand and just go experience that because you're not going to get a closer experience with these Cubs players anywhere else that is good advice.
0: Uh, the one thing, unfortunately, I have to defer to Brendan's expertise is knowledge of Arizona. So <laughs> I do have. Uh, that. I have to, yeah, just sort of have to nod along and say yes. I think he actually knows what he's talking uh, about. So the on one thing I subject. do know, what I'm talking about is that correct. Yes, yeah. But I think that's all we have for you. Again, um, we will jump on midweek here if something happens, uh, Bryce Harper or Manny Machado related. I, I, I guess Craig Kimbrell, I suppose uh would be worthy of that 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 would be fun actually that would be a sign has been somewhat plausible for the cubs at various points in this offseason uh but otherwise we'll we'll talk to you guys next sunday and we'll see how spring training gets going and see what's going on and you know maybe uh once the cubs start that spring training schedule we'll get back to uh the two a week or something along those lines we'll just see how that's all playing out uh as usual during the regular season, we will be here two uh, episodes a week before and after each series the Cubs play, uh, but, you know, while it's still the offseason, want to make sure that there's uh, actual substance for us to be giving you guys and not just us blathering on. We we could just, you know, talk about the 2005 Cubs. We, you know, this sounds like a threat, Brendan. If you want us to record two episodes a week, we will talk about the 2006 Cubs Uh, but no, I, you know, we could find stuff to ramble on about, but, uh, you know, we, we don't want to ask you guys to devote an hour for us if, if we can't bring you something worthwhile. So, uh, but I think rather soon we'll, we'll get back into that, especially if these early spring training games look like there's a lot to dive into. We will uh, be more than happy to do that. But as always, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, We still see those five-star reviews and comments coming in the iTunes store. If you haven't done that yet, uh, we would certainly appreciate it. I have some ideas, Brendan. I think, you know, maybe we can incentivize that uh, in the upcoming season, but uh, you, doing it now, you'd, you'd still be eligible for whatever uh, we ultimately decide there. But um, we do appreciate that if you can take the the moment or two to go to the iTunes store and leave us a five-star review. Helps us uh, get the podcast, get more visibility so that we can uh, get more listeners, which is good for everybody. So, uh, we do appreciate if you've done that already, uh, and we read the the comments. It's very nice to read those things uh, you guys say about this podcast. We appreciate that very much. Um, so again, the Cubs play a spring training game uh, this Saturday, the 23rd, I believe, against the Milwaukee Brewers. It'll be available uh, to listen to on the radio on Cubs.com. And that's all we have for you, folks. The Cubs are going to be playing an organized baseball game uh, by the time we come to you next. And that's exciting. Uh, it's been a long off season. It's been a weird off season, but it's, it's time to get over the way the 2018 season ended. As we said, it is time to own it now, whatever it is, we're owning it and we're owning it now. Uh, the 2019 season is right around the corner. And we will be here to talk about it with you guys. So as always, we thank you very much for listening. And whether they are just on the Mesa backfields or playing in a game, go Cubs.
1: Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Betts, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. NYRA Betts players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200.